You are now listening to Well, Well, Filling Out. Like, oh my god, did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, it's Pokemon's Misandry. <laughs> yes, Misandry. Oh, poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? How big were her breasts? <laughs> well, hello. Hey. Are you shocked? Are you shocked? We're, we're fucking shocked. We're a little fucking shocked. We um, are back. We're back with a, what are we calling this? A snack bite. Just a little bite. Right. It's a, it's a mini, it's a snack episode, mini snack. It's like half a snack. <laughs> It's a piece of snack. It's a piece of snack. Like how Villanelle just has a piece of filling? Yeah, it's half a snack. Partial snack. So, yeah, we're coming in with a snack bite because we actually had a couple listeners reach out today to us on Twitter about a second Hollywood Reporter article that has emerged with some thoughts and opinions from Sally that seemed to be much of it in somewhat direct contradiction to what we were just bitching to you guys about in terms of our concerns for the future season in the snack episode that just came out yesterday. Shout out to Jordan Dennis on Twitter who sent us a message saying, hey guys, new to the podcast and I love it. I wanted to send an article that was released literally at the same time as the Hollywood Reporter. Not sure why Sally is saying such different things between articles, but would love to know what you think. Thank you, Jordan, for sending it in. And everyone else who hit us up, like, did you see this other article? What do you guys think? Well, we did. And we were like, wow, it is different. It is a little different. different. It's Mm. a little different. And yay. Yay for that. So maybe you were right, Terrence, with your Russo brothers thing in terms of like, oh, we're just trying to throw people the fuck off with what's happening. Or just maybe Sally was like, let me rephrase that. But they said it came out the same day. So no, that can't be it. So it's maybe it's the questions. Like you said, these are shitty questions. Right. Those first it's a shitty interviewer. Were they don't know what they're doing. So I guess we'll highlight really quickly what was asked of her. Uh, First question is, was season two mapped out from the beginning? And Sally answers, we had it vaguely mapped out. We knew that we wanted to get to a place where we suspected what would happen is that Villanelle would manipulate Eve into killing somebody. So we had that mapped out, but we didn't have the detail of it mapped out. Second question is, was Villanelle shooting Eve something that you wanted to happen? And she replies, yes, I think it was. But I can't remember the point where we actually knew what the detail was, but I think it's inevitable. What Emerald really wanted to do was explore that both Eve and Villanelle are slightly deluded about what each other means to the other, what they mean to themselves, and what they mean to their own egos. So I think there was an inevitability that if Villanelle had manipulated Eve in that way, there's no way that Eve would suddenly go, quote, well, you're absolutely right. We're meant to be together forever. End quote. Mm -hmm. From our study and our research into psychopathic behavior, psychopaths fall desperately and very passionately and very deeply in love. And it can be very intoxicating, but they can also turn it off. It can just be turned off like a light switch. So if at any point Villanelle feels it's not reciprocated, we knew that was a really dangerous moment too. We knew the background and we knew what the truthful behavior would be, but we didn't know the detail of it. And so real quick before we go to the, uh, the next question she has, is that's, that's interesting because it's definitely a way better description of Villanelle. Yeah. Psychopathic behavior. Right. It's like she's not a psychopath. <sighs> I appreciate Thanks, Sally. that. Sally, yeah. we can be friends again. I was kidding. It's interesting that she says if at any point it's not reciprocated, it's dangerous because that's sort of like Amsterdam a little bit where that's her first sort of real life. Oh, am I alone in this? Is this not reciprocated? Has she moved on? Definitely a better characterization. The next question is, how do you expect the fans to react to this ending? She replies, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? Whether Eve is even alive or whether they could be together happily after. What would that really look like if you ever have a happily ever after with a psychopathic assassin? Um, It would look like the best show ever. It really would. It, would look it like, really would look like the know. best show ever created for TV. 
and she finishes. So I think you've just got to keep that alive and keep that sense of mystery and surprise going. So I hope that what the fans ask, what's going to happen in this relationship? Um, well, okay. I, uh, that's, well, that's... I mean, I feel like the fans are sort of to the point, like what we touched on in the last night episode, that we're ready for Eve to choose. It's not so much of what's going to happen in this relationship. Let's answer the will they or won't they. And then either they go down with the won't in some sort of blaze of toxic love or they go down with the will in some sort of blaze of toxic love. But I don't think I don't think we necessarily want to be enamored with the question anymore, because is it even a question? It's, It's at this point we see and we know and we just want to watch them decide and make an actual decision and live in that decision, whatever it is, and fully, fully commit to that decision. So I'm going to just shortly pull before we resume with the Q&A on this article, a little piece of film uh, called uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Now, wow. in this movie, you have a guy who is uh, in a relationship with a woman who has mm-hmm. amnesia. And she slowly comes to the realization that, you know, her and her previous memories and her previous flashes of reconciling who she was. Right. She thought she was a chef. She wasn't. She was sort of a, <laughs> she was sort of a big deal assassin. And then, you a know, chef of chopping off mm, knobs. She had a <laughs> she had a choice to make. She could choose to return to the life that she had or pretend to just be this domestic and you know she ended up (laughs) (laughs) well you know she she ended up making a choice but you know for a short time she lived in this whether you want to call it a fixed i mean it was a undercover job anyway it was this domestic bliss with actually her mark that she was that's true and it was was a complete antithesis to who she was in general which is Remember that scene where she's like cutting the, the carrots or whatever? Oh, that was great. And the she memory like, started to come back. Oh my back. God, I could do this. I'm doing this. Give me more things to cut. So maybe you write that fanfic AU where Eve is. <laughs> <laughs> she's cutting vegetables and she's having a flashback. Oh, that's a good film. I need to watch that mm. again soon. Yes. Shall I carry on? Uh, yeah. I was just saying that there are ways to show a person in love with this, uh, a killer is what I'm saying. It's yes, like, it's not there are impossible. so many ways and we can explore more of those ways. Okay, so the next question she asked Sally was, this season was very tense and was interesting to see even Villanelle intersect in this way that we have never seen before and in an unexpected way. What was the most difficult part of this season to keep this anti-romance fresh? Um, It's a romance romance, number one interviewer. It's not anti. <laughs> it's not anti. Uh, maybe, I don't know, what standard are they, what's the barometer that they're judging all this Heterosexuality. from? Heterosexuality. And banality. I don't fucking know. But Sally answers, I think the biggest challenge is keeping them within each other's orbit, but not too close. It's how you keep that tension. So it's about these women. How do you keep alive the notion of this obsession, but not have them in the immediate proximity of each other? That's the biggest challenge because I don't think you can play them in close proximity for too long without something explosive happening. So you just got to keep teasing it. You've got to keep going back in and then coming back out again. Therefore, there's a story you can create in order to allow that to happen and keep surprising people, but keep being truthful to who they are as characters. All right. I mean, I guess I can take that for season two because the tension and them being away from each other is literally 98% of the sensuality that's played up in the show because they have such palpable tension. But I also feel like we were happy to see them together and we we would like to see them reunite. We liked seeing them near each other and we were rooting for them to be at least in the same space on the same size of a door together. That's what we wanted this whole season. So let's not have us wanting that for them in season three. It needs to go further than that. If they're both deciding to jump into their ship, 
let us both root let us all root for the same ship at the same time indeed so this next question is probably one of my favorite questions because we were literally just bitching about this yesterday and so basically the deadline interviewer asked you mentioned earlier about the term psychopath many people view villanelle as a psychopath and it's put front and center this season the term psychopath is thrown around a lot with villains these days but do you think that villanelle is actually a psychopath a direct a direct question. and specific question. Thank you, interviewer. And Sally replies, we do bandy about with shorthand without really thinking about the detail of it. Oh, Sally, I cannot tell you how it pleases me to read this <laughs> from you. Thank you. And she continues, and quite a few of us read John Ronson's psychopath test. Now, before I continue with the answer, I'm just going to say that from what I've heard from some academics and, you know, we're going to actually try to get one of these several PhD academics that teaches out here um, in the city, one of the universities to maybe come on and talk to us a little bit more about Villanelle instead of all the wild conjecture we've been doing based off like stuff we read, but not like eight to 12 years of, of schooling and experience. But generally, the idea is that the psychopathic test is currently junk science. Yeah, it's sort of like if she floats, she's a witch. It's that kind of level of junk science. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> you took it to the craft. OK, uh, mm, yeah. So, I mean, you can't really base your thesis on something that's now junk, especially when it was junk when you were studying. So I don't know if you want us to buy into the realism or the surrealism or if we're just supposed to. I just think it's weird. It's like, um, what's that um, that thing, the test people take with INFJ, the Myers-Briggs. Right, mm-hmm. Like, so this is supposed to be the Myers-Briggs for psychopathy. And that sounds, that just seems, <laughs> it just seems unrealistic. But yeah, so we're not going to get further into that. I'm sure if you guys are super curious, you can Google and see what's going on. But I just want to mention that it's interesting that she references that piece of, of work, of written work, when many other academics and professionals have come out to sort of say, oh, you know what? We should not be using this. Um, But the rest of her answer continues. So we're very aware that there are psychopathic traits and that there are various forms of narcissistic personality disorder. And I think that she's got a degree of that too. What we wanted to explore was what it feels like or what it would feel like if you woke up every day and you didn't have any fear. So having a character who can embody that in a way was something that we were really attracted to. But I think you're absolutely right to bandy about too much. This isn't a detailed forensic serious study of a psychopath. She is somebody with with psychopathic tendencies and she's probably a whole complex of other bits and pieces thank god yes but she's a way for us to explore if you like a fantasy of what it would be like to live without fear or anxiety about circumstance which uh, isn't it sort of debatable about the circumstance given what we've seen in season two but actually yeah i really appreciate this i mean answer. if i had to pick anyone to ride behind that was uh behaving in a way uh that was on the the reams the ride the coattails of living without fear or anxiety about circumstance mm-hmm. it would be eve come to the realization that everybody's playing her and walking away from somebody that she agitated who has an armed weapon in her hand not the smartest decision <laughs> as we've gone over totally like you gotta not. be on some level of i ain't never scared to do something like that eve didn't read her own file on villanelle evidently <laughs> she was mad that villanelle wasn't reading files but i don't think she read her own damn file I think she would find, I think hopefully by the end of season three, Carolyn will take Eve's file on Villanelle and say, oh, you know, this file is absolutely marvelous. There's just one thing off about it. Let's just replace Oksana's name and put Eve Palastri. There you go. You've got a perfect file. You cased yourself. Right. It's interesting that they use no fear. Because, I mean, I don't know. I don't necessarily. I'm, I was trying to think of the name of that disorder, and I doubt I'll find it if I Google it. But there's totally a disorder where your sense of touch doesn't work. 
Mm. And that ends up translating itself into a lack of fear or awareness because you don't feel pain like other people do. And it's just interesting to me they say no fear because it's like, I don't think Villanelle feels fear, but there are a few times where you have to wonder, was she trepidatious? Was she anxious? Was she nervous? Because the way Jodie Comer played it in her brilliance, yeah, it looked like all those things. But I'm glad that they've made all this space for Villanelle that they didn't seem, it's like they had her in this super narrow box in the first Hollywood Reporter interview. And in this one, they're like, she can flourish. She has these traits, but she can be all these things tbd right <laughs> whatever we decide it's we like, want to go right now i'm good you with have that things to work with which is a lot better it's a lot better versus us hoping that you'll take a cue from the fandom and change what you're saying but if these you said these interviews happened the same day so yeah this was or at more, least they were released the same day right not so done the same then day. hopefully this was the interview done latter and she was like oh shoot like <laughs> i said some things that that may not, <laughs> may not maybe be i the should best. phrase that a little right. bit better mm-hmm. Okay, so this next question is, Villanelle definitely has no filter, but it's so heightened that it's almost ridiculous in a way. She replies, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what appeals to Eve as well, because she's probably being crippled by the thought of circumstance and what might happen, including what would happen if she was ever single. Oh, that is interesting. An interesting thing to say. She continues, that's terrifying. Oh, well, okay. What would happen if she ever spoke to Nico about what her true feelings were? We all don't have those conversations because we're terrified of what's going to come out, the Pandora's box. I was just talking to someone the other day about how we're all terrified, actually, of somebody just shouting at us. Why are we so scared of people shouting at us that it holds us back from doing stuff? I think it's a really interesting thing to study. Um, Just, I think it really depends on your family. Yeah. And whether or not you're afraid I to shout because like some people was, got loud ass fucking families. I grew families. up with shouting. You grew up with so. shouters, right? Now, I feel like I can get a shout and I can be shouted at, but I actually don't like to be shouted at. Or at least I don't like to be put on display in some kind of way. But then, you know, I have had my moments where I, I lost all the fucks and then I was okay. loud and I didn't give a fuck who could hear me. If and you are one on. who wants to shout at me, please make sure of your accuracy. <laughs> Thank you. That haiku, that haiku was beautiful. That's and then so beautiful. Uh, what is this about Eve afraid to have an honest moment with Nico? Now, see, that, now, that lies, that plays to what we've been saying because the bitch is in some serious and hardcore fucking denial, right? Doesn't that turn her into the biggest monster? I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on that before we close out this little snack bite. But that's what we were saying is that of the two, Eve is the scarier one. She is the actual literal monster because she seems to be able to exhibit choice. And if there's right. one thing that, you know, has been less debatable for Villanelle is that she has a decreased ability to exhibit choice when it comes to these basic kind of compulsions that she has. I am worked up, so I want to kill. I'm worked up, so I want to eat. I'm worked up, so I want to fuck. And my ability to say no or I shouldn't or to exercise restraint isn't happening. Where Eve is basically like locked down. She's like in this, uh, what do you call it when you wrap a mummy up? Uh, Maybe mummification? Mummification of her true self, dark Eve, her murderous self, the part she's trying to hide. Well, I don't know what it's called, but I mean, it's ultimately that. Like she's. I mean, she's completely wound up. Yeah. I mean, if you could just picture a mummy, just imagine like for each year, you're adding tons of layers of just like locking Eve up even right. tighter, even tighter, even tighter, even tighter to the point of where she's being asphyxiated, basically. And she starts acting out by doing things like I'm going to stab myself here. I'm going to do this there because I'm so desperate to feel something that says you're alive. You're in the world. You're experiencing things. Something matters. And let I mean, me tell a joke to my husband disguised as my true feelings. How would you get rid of my body? You. Yes. <laughs> Yo, we would be on a break. Like if I like if my lover just just volunteered some fucking Robert Durst information about how I would go down, that's alarming. 
That's definitely alarming. Okay, so the next question is, the show has had cultural impact, and a lot of it is because it is a very female-driven series in an era where there is a craving and demand for inclusivity. How do you feel this show has contributed to this conversation, and how is it strayed away from the problematic term of, quote, strong, complex female roles? I'm not loving this response i'm gonna say that before oh, you, you read even read it, it. Oh. <laughs> okay let me read it sally responds luke jennings had created these books which had these two central women we then brought phoebe on to put it through a phoebe kaleidoscope well before fleabag had come out on television we didn't really set out to turn the dial or make anything that felt culturally important we thought it was entertaining and we liked the fact that you just had fun with these two women at the center of it three with carolyn and i think that the notion of complex women at the center of everything is really quite reductive and a little bit patronizing and this isn't this is just women playing around. I think with Sandra, Jody, Fiona, Phoebe, and Emerald, we just got rather brilliant women just having fun and being clever. And if you also include Elena by any rare chance, um, it's four <laughs> because she's in the opening. Oh, damn. She, the first shot at the office, Elena's there and she's introduced. That's like less than three minutes into the entire series. So she's a part of that rat pack. You know Even what? though she doesn't stick Here's around. And there was lovely banter with this character. So we can't underplay. She's basically saying they didn't set out to make anything subversive. It just is. Which, okay. Maybe I, that's why they don't push the envelope as hard as they could in some categories. Because they're not trying to... That's not the lane. I feel like there was a choice to make Carolyn's boss a woman. That was a choice. So you can't say that you're not setting out to, to do anything subversive, but yet oh, that's you true. have that. they are well, yes, and they have had <laughs> women showrunners, and we just know the latest showrunner, the new showrunner is another woman. So mild agenda, right? And so... I'm totally cool with this agenda. This is a great agenda, own ladies. Own it. If own it, it. Be the Sit Brie Larsons of your lane. Exactly. It's... Own that shit. Don't worry about the feminist. We got your back. So yeah, that that was an interesting answer. But all right. Uh, next question after that is: So we definitely want to see more of these characters in season three. Has that been mapped out yet? Sally responds, we do. We have a sketchy map with little bits colored in various places. I think what is fun about the show is because we kill so many people, there's always room to bring in new brilliant key people that you either kill or you're going to keep going. But we've got a plan. I mean, that so sounds that's like totally, no plan. That's literally, I mean, that sounds like half a plan, but it's still more of a plan than right. we thought existed right. from the previous this, article, It sounds very George R.R. R. Martin. She's like, um, we saw the oh kill God. wall and her kill wall is massive. And we're thinking we're going to add so many more bodies. I don't to think that I'm going to buy that book. Like I, I was one of those people waiting for that book, but I'm so annoyed now at Game of Thrones. I feel like my fuck you is to George R. And be like, I will not be getting your last I love Elnel so much, but the, I know that the hand holding the pen to that project is a man. And it's like, well, True. I'm just going to wait to see the female adaptation of these words because she'll, exactly. she'll like filter exactly. it through the lens that uh, it will help me see and connect to. Right. The feels and thoughts. So we are basically towards the end of this article. Two more questions. Second to last question is, even though we suspect that she survives because her name is in the title of the show, can you say whether or not Eve survived the gunshot? Obviously, yes. But she replies, I'm not going to say it and laughs. In they wrote so, laughs. <laughs> they know. And the final question is, you just want to leave it as a cliffhanger, right? And she replies, there's absolutely no point in going, quote, yeah. And then she got out and went and had a pizza. And quote, you're right, Sally. There's no point in doing that, even though technically you gave us a deleted scene. Okay. Where fucking Villanelle was on her old town road. Right, with that cowboy hat. A with hat. the cowboy hat. A hat. Looking shook about Eve, which at the very least, whether they retcon or not, guys, you have to see that a bitch was not able to erase a hoe. And she's probably super <laughs> mad. She's super mad. She was like, I thought with this gun, I was going to hit the reset button, restart the computer, reset back to first or back to the beginning. And she got to the bar and she was like, oops, haunted by ghosts that are walking around. 
Which, side note, we got to read that thing we saw because I just... Oh, that was because, the cutest thing. If it's the thing I'm thinking of, the... Um, it is, where you showed it to me the and I was lip like, reading. I Yes, it. it's, it's... So, seen on the Tumblr that has incorrect Killing Eve quotes, there was a, a guest for Killing Eve season three. And it reads, Philanelle, we are gathered here today to mourn the love of my life, Eve Palastri. Eve says, stop telling people I'm dead. And Villanelle replies, sometimes I can still hear her voice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's really good. It's so beautiful. It's really good. It's pure is what it is. That was a great article to to have come out when we were feeling a little bit on quicksand about what people were thinking and mainly because Villanelle's our fave and we do believe she's completely complicated and nuanced and she's like a kaleidoscope of colors and details and we were just hoping that the writers would maintain as complex even though they're not interested in making a thesis statement on psychopathy and of course that makes sense but just making sure that our favorite heroine murderous heroine was kept as complex and further developed in the way that they've been doing in such an incredible and phenomenal way. You did have this some issues with the second article we were sent. Um, oh, it was beautifully written. Yeah, no, it is. It's a wonderful, wonderful article uh, in composition. It's it's meaty. You know, um, if it's worth its uh, its ducats and dollars, like if this is something you got paid to do, you know, make your money. We, yeah. We're going to share it like wildfire. Exactly. And this is the, I don't know if you guys saw it. A lot of you probably did. And it's an article from Vulture written by Angelica Jade Bastien. I'm not sure. That could be a French last name. But the title of the article is The Decadent Visceral Pleasures of Killing Eve. And it's a pretty deep read. And it's a very lush, well-written read in terms of creating parallels with the food and the indulgence of desire and excess and the contrast between Eve and Villanelle. But the writer also chooses to draw a lot of comparisons to the Bluebeard myth, which, you know, I feel a certain way about that just because, I mean, base in point, I'm a misandrist. And so I'm not going to ever really enjoy investigating the trope of I'm a rich, toxic, murderous man trying to find another woman or I've just found another woman that I want to keep. And so I'm playing these manipulation games and she's enduring these manipulation games and what's going on. But let me find that part where you pointed out to me and you were like, what was that she was saying? I took a screenshot. I believe this is it, but you can tell me if I'm wrong. There's an excerpt in the article that says, when I watched your mind, I wanted to see Eve and Villanelle run off together, a la Bonnie and Clyde. But that isn't their future. As Eve herself notes, after finally seeing Villanelle more clearly, quote, you want me to be a mess. You want me to be scared, but I'm like you now, end quote. Here, the mirror Villanelle expects Eve to be cracks. Eve isn't a void. She's brimming with emotions and desire. And Villanelle isn't a savior, but a monstrous meaning to collect Eve, not love her. Now, (sighs) I was rocking with a lot of shit in this article. I was like, I love this use of terminology of parallels. But I don't like this. And, you know, I'm sure you guys are already keenly aware why we don't like this detail, because as Sally just pointed out in the other interview we read, that there's no definite understanding, truly, of what Villanelle is. And she's not completely relegated to this small, tiny box of psychopath. And therefore, she cannot be these other things, which is great. That's what we wanted confirmed. However, are we to not believe the child when she said she loves Eve? Are we are we not supposed to believe the exposition? Of the character. Are we supposed to take Eve's side when she says things like, you don't know what that (laughs) means? Because I can't take Eve's side when she says, you don't know what that means. If of the two of them, someone of those two didn't know what love means, it would probably be Eve for me. 
Well, it's interesting the parallel she draws because it's like here at the mirror, Villanelle expects Eve to be cracks. She isn't a void. And it's like she never thought Eve was a void. That that was the characterization made for her. As Villanelle says, and that's what we were talking about earlier, as Villanelle says, like, you're like me. Like, we are the same. And they are not the same. And even if we go from the academic perspective of, oh, if anyone's trending more towards a certain type of non-neurotypical behavior, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum a little bit. They meet at the middle when it comes to violence and right. their personal magnetism that is otherworldly because they cannot be explained how they're drawn to each other but this is what it is and so it's a little bit brimming with emotions and desire okay brimming with emotions and desire for Villanelle though I would so say doesn't the context matter doesn't right. the context matter she's not brimming with emotion and desire to just get out and live her life or fucking buy a motorcycle or skydive or something like that she's her specifically linked to, be to Villanelle yeah oh not not Eve I don't think Eve's desire is to be domestic no, no. are you talking about Villanelle's Villanelle? right. desire okay yeah so this is what I mean like Eve's desire because that's what they're saying Eve is in a void or that's what the author is saying that Eve is in a void she's brimming with emotions and desire but I'm like literally those emotions did not peak and start to brim until Villanelle entered her orbit that is so true how, how can they not be linked that forevermore is true, and that Villanelle is not a savior, but a monstrous meaning to collect Eve. And I take high offense to this for the simple fact that, as we were saying earlier, if anyone's the monster of the two, it is Eve. It is Eve. It is Eve. Villanelle is better at manipulation in a certain kind of way because she's been at it longer. Like she told Irina, it takes practice to be bad. But the scarier person of the two, the more dangerous of the two, the least predictable of the two is actually fucking Eve. The one that's been living a lie all her life. Right? Like, what's scarier? What's scarier? A problem child who becomes a problem killer, but not exactly because she's actually killing for hire. And so maybe she's killing less and not in a wanton fashion like she might if she was just having a bad day because someone's directing her energy. But you're telling me it's not scarier to have a woman who is going under the radar her entire life, floating in this normalcy, masquerading as a normal person. But you know, depending on the day, she could stab you. Depending on the day, she could say, fuck you. If you're on my team, you could fucking die. She could leave you bleeding on the fucking floor. It's not a problem. She could see your throat slit. She's not going to have a problem with it. How is Eve not the monster? How is she not also the void? How are we suddenly making comparisons to say, oh, she's not like Villanelle. She's not the void when literally that's what we see with Eve. I don't know. You were the one who pointed this out to me when I was like, read this article. It's a great article. And then you're like, but what about that last part? And I was, I was like, oh. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. This doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. Oh, I just found the other excerpt you wanted to talk about, which was... um. Eve's quest for sexual release through proxies reaches a crescendo in the penultimate episode of the season. Hugo and Eve are in Rome, shadowing Villanelle's progress with Aaron and listening to breathy teasing sighs, which let's just pause, <sighs> let's just pause, let's just pause, back it up. Breathy sighs. Are these asthmatic sighs, Terrence? Terrence? Maybe was she, she practicing her? on holding her breath for swimming? I don't. I would like to would think you that is really good at holding her breath, but um, I don't think that the that other was mic isn't happening. on. Or I could ask our producer, Token Hat, for today. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> when you heard uh, the bug, uh, the bug communication, sex. the bug sex, did you feel that one of the two were? I don't know. What did you think was happening in that? Scene? Was she laying on her stomach? Please help us. Was she having some sort of? bronchial issues was please, she was there wheezing do like, lean into the mic the, i just the audience i need the to listeners know. want to know because when we recorded the review for that episode we were hoping that everyone just sort of understood what was going on in that moment we I'm were like, like surely they can't be that obtuse about what's happening i'm trying to figure out either you have partaken in such an event with your partner or lover or whoever you're dating or you've been assaulted with such a thing on xbox like me with creepy men but you know heavy breathing isn't just like oh like what? Is, what was the characterization? What did she say? Uh, Where was it? Uh, uh, 
Villanelle's yeah. breathy, teasing size. That bitch isn't teasing anything but herself, and I don't think she was doing that either. I think she was bringing herself into fruition. Right. Um, it just takes about like a 10-minute workup for women. That's scientific. It was just time for her to go to her bunk, and she just happened to have somebody <laughs> in her ear at the same time. She said, are you going to listen all night? I'm just, how do people not say masturbation? And haven't we said that? I don't think we found a single wrap-up article for that episode where someone just straight nope. up says, Villanelle was masturbating, Eve was listening, she was turned on by that shit, and so she hopped on Hugo's fucking knob. Make it make sense, Terrence. I, look, I can't. This is, I don't know, maybe she didn't want this literature to get places. I just realized Lance never jumped on the mic, so I guess we will not get so away with that. Maybe he's, <laughs> maybe he's just nodding and saying, well, he understands that, yes, the breathing was labored, but it was a labor of love. I just need him to love. say it into the mic. Say, please. A please tell us what was happening. Was it, yeah, tell us about the, the breathing that was happening. Please. We just, we just need we to need, understand we from need a head's a, perspective. We need a head perspective, please. Like, did it sound <laughs> like there was what a woman? What did it sound like to you? Yeah, we don't even please. put an idea in your head. Yeah, go like, ahead. <laughs> I think it sounded like some interesting Foley work. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, this is. Did it sound sexy? Did it sound rated R? Uh, I don't know. It didn't. Uh, it sounded like, I guess, what you can get away with on BBC America. <laughs> it's That's like, okay. Were you like, confused about the masturbation? How about that? A, a bit. Just a oh little. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just threw that venom, bit, that venom thing and it hit totally I understood. Okay. I was like, okay, I guess. Let me, let me, okay, let me do a follow up because <laughs> you're blowing our minds right now. Um, what cemented the masturbation for you? So if you were confused, like what, was there a moment that you came into the light? Was there an epiphany within said scene? What was it? This is for science. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just figured out what was, that was what was going on. Did but you figure it out like, during the scene or after the fact? Uh, after the fact, I was like, okay. Oh. Okay, so was it the morning after the whole good morning situation? Yeah, because she's feel she seemed a little like like she had twelve O's. Like she was yeah. like, oh, you know, that was yeah. good. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like it was, yeah, was it was good. really good. Was it good for you? Or was it good for me. So <laughs> okay, that, well, that's why I I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like all right, yeah. Well, thank you for the head perspective. Yes, we have. We've been shocked that. and awed in this time. <laughs> we totally thought we had that in the bag and we did not. Um, and I'm I'm curious for this vulture article columnist. Um, is there a reason why uh the quest for sexual release reaches the crescendo with this episode and not when she receives the flowers that spell out her name? I you bring up a very good point, Terence. Um, okay, yes, the crescendo at the door. And she does touch on she does touch on the lipstick earlier in the article where she talks about how sensual it was and the foley, because remember like the sound effects uh -huh. while she was putting on that lipstick. It's so fucking sensual. But I would agree, it's a little bit you know what? It's kind of like that thing where no one is dancing around the sensuality of the show but people dance around the sexuality of the show in terms of sex like people will be like yes these women generally want to fuck but when it comes to getting to the nitty-gritty of that they're like oh let's, let's keep it in the abstract let's keep it in the mystery i mean if we're talking about a proxy and that's definitely nico nico was the proxy nico was the motherfucking <laughs> proxy nico was definitely the proxy him and hugo are the only ones that exist and if you choose to not have a proxy then you have the door o's like you have to you have to count that in because that was that was super sensual and they both knew what it was while it was and even though Villanelle got pulled out of a window somehow 
That's true. Somehow, it's still not how that happened. I did like this part. With E, Villanelle feels something beyond this crushing boredom. As Variety critic Sonia Soroya wrote during The Killing Eve's first season, Villanelle sees a side of Eve that Eve would rather not show to the world. Quite romantically, that side is communicated by her unruly, fabulous hair. Villanelle comes to practically fetishize it, recognizing accurately that Eve could be a wilder woman than she's allowing herself to be. I do like that from Sonia. Sonia. That That's was very a well winner. Written. That's a fucking win. If Villanelle looks at Eve as a mirror, Eve looks at Villanelle as an escape into feminine excess. Now, this is where I have to draw, I have to say, a little bit het, a little bit heterosexual. Because how do you say that Villanelle is just a look into feminine excess? Wait, is that the new way to describe lady sex with, another, just... with another woman, with another non-man? Is that <sighs> feminine excess? Because there usually is an excess of O's. So that's accurate. It continues, Villanelle Cannon has discarded people in ways Eve cannot. Um, if See, you mean are we murder, watching the no, same show? Literally, that can only mean murder. That can only mean murder. Because Villanelle discards people either like, I, you're not in my life, like you're not here, or I've murdered you. Eve discards people all the time. She had Kenny on the team that said, don't forget about Bill. She said, Kenny, you are sacked. Goodbye. Remember how cold that was? <laughs> that shit was cold. Like, Kenny was like, oh shit. Yet Eve has adopted her sense of risk taking and disregard for those who get in the way of her desires. She's curious about the life Villanelle leads, so she replicates her craven attitude, a development that Fennell and the directors have carefully interwoven into the second season. It's a slow arc building from moments when Villanelle acts as a clear aphrodisiac for Eve, even as the assassin is the very reason Eve's marriage is crumbling. Uh, I want to say well, that marriage. That's not that true. That marriage was already dead. Right. That marriage was already dead before Villanelle got there. Please recall episode one with Bill. Please recall all the conversations Eve had with Bill. Bill was a fantastic character. We loved Bill for the time he was there because he gave us a very particular insight into Eve that no other character has given us. And I don't think it's a mistake that he was fucking queer. Meanwhile, you throw characters on the screen like Gemma who serve really no purpose other than to give Nico something to look at while he can't find his wife. But she's not expanding (laughs) Nico's character. She's not giving us sides and slices to Nico's life that we could not get from intimate moments with his own wife. She serves no purpose other than to simply die. And Thankfully, Villanelle understood that when she cornered him in the uh, storage unit. And they're both still there. Exactly. So there's that on that. I also want to call attention to her saying that Villanelle's progress with Aaron and listening on a Bluetooth earpiece. They said Moscow rules. That definitely was not Bluetooth. So why are they saying Bluetooth? I don't understand. Because no one. Well, not everyone, I guess, is as ridiculous as we are when it comes to the details. Yeah. In the season finale, Eve and Villanelle are finally stripped of their proxies and the electric tension between them is laid bare. We get exactly what we think we want. Eve, well, not exactly, not exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, Eve and Villanelle are irrevocably bonded by a reality-shifting murder. No, I'm not speaking of Aaron's grisly fate when Villanelle, in a single swift motion, slits his throat and forces him to watch in the mirror. I'm talking about when Villanelle manipulates Eve into brutally killing her former handler, Raymond, a loathsome patriarchal figure. As Villanelle guides Eve in the act, I found myself exclaiming, do it, with an intensity <laughs> that matters hers well that's that's all of us that should have been all of us right with that first spray of raymond's blood villanelle closes her eyes in pleasure but eve isn't emboldened by her entry into murder she's sickened by it and this is what i want to but get that's to. not true either i'm just I, do i need to write an article the case for eve not being sick when she <laughs> killed Mer- raymond because i'm just saying like whether you look at fiction or you look at reality google any sort of cases with the fbi a local police department if someone is on scene on the site of something grisly whether it's an actual murder an assault or an accident that's gone really badly 
if someone is moved to actual disgust or actual sickness because what they've seen has fucked their mind so they nine out of ten times because that's how empathy works kind of like i see you yawn i yawn they highlighted that in the show luther then this is what it is i mean i still maintain i mean the writers are sticking firm to this but i think it's a little ridiculous that there wasn't a wretch for all the reasons we said that when your body it's organic it's right. kind it's of like coming out it's like tears yeah if you can cry when you're emotional, it doesn't matter if you don't want to cry. It's like when I get really mad, tears come out. It's just what happens. And I don't like it because people are like, are you? And it's like, no, I'm just really fucking mad. But you can't control that shit. It's an involuntary muscle reflex. Eve Palastri, she's on her Alice. And I just need people to get familiar with that character so Ooh, they can just sort of understand. I am. Interesting. I am. They have yet to successfully accurately profile all of the dark harboring potential that lies within that woman i would say save carolyn who i see is still putting eve through particular ringers on purpose and even though she walked away and left her in amsterdam uh, left her in rome mm -hmm. she's not done with eve well you know it's like what we said before when um when we were talking that it's really this season is really about the dance between carolyn and villanelle and sort of like the battle for eve's heart and soul mm -hmm. in, a, in a certain way because it's either sort of like eve you're going down two roads both of those roads lead to the bad both of those roads lead to the moral gray but there's the villanelle road and then there's the carolyn road and Carolyn is just as, if not more dodgy than Villanelle. It's just that she can exist in the daylight. She can be like Raymond yes. and be like, I have a kid. I have a son. I have this house. I have this thing people do, but I'm really this whole other fucking person. And that can be you too, Eve. You can have your cake and eat it too. You don't have to be like Villanelle, just out of fucks to give and doing what you want. But yeah, we will link, we will put links to these articles. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I just, I had to touch on this part because it's actually bothered me. The price of Eve's curiosity is paid in blood. That's the final line. The price of Eve's petulance. The price of Eve's delusions and denials is what's paid in blood. But otherwise, this was a... And whose blood is that article. is all I want to say. <laughs> because Eve's curiosity when she decided to steal an interview from the lone living drugged out witness from the kill that got her uh hot to trot on the trail of Villanelle in the first place mm -hmm. which led to the death of all those patients in the hospital i'm pretty sure that was uh that was curiosity and Don't you know what let's 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 do a little parallel to the fucking old saying curiosity killed the cat but satisfaction brought, brought them it back, back. That's right. i think that's what we're dealing with with fucking eve and i guess before we close this out i would just like to point out to you guys that it should be completely 100% clear why villanelle shot Eve and you should be totally okay with it. We were saying earlier that it's the equivalent of, of the Iron Man line, I love you 3000, when his child said it to him <laughs> in Endgame. Like she's like, I love you, but like in this extra way that isn't like normal people, obviously. It's in this way that has to go fully up to the heights of Mount fucking Vesuvius since they were in goddamn Italy and that's what the fuck it's gonna be. And honestly, this also explains her lesbian urge to merge at such intense like light speed rates because as we said, that U-hauling to Alaska was extreme. Yeah. It's fucking extreme. <laughs> it's probably it's probably the gayest thing she's done on the show, to be quite frank. Yeah, I could give her that. Next to you have keys to my apartment? <laughs> no. Or 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 <laughs> definitely top three gayest thing she's ever said. I will eat anything. <laughs> hey! Hey! That's what you call a pickup line. Someone put that on a Valentine's Day card for twenty twenty. 
You know what randomly occurred to me? I was like, what if Villanelle like went to her own version of the sunken place? Like when you had a broken heart. Remember how like in the movie when he was going to the sunken place, he was literally just falling into this deep black abyss where, you know, he was further removed from the light. So what if the light is Eve and the sunken place is rejection? And, you know, if we go with what Sally and other people are saying, like, you can turn it off. And I do believe Villanelle has those skills like Carolyn, where I have the powers of compartmentalization. That doesn't mean that Villanelle has completely trashed Eve as a memory. It just means in that moment, she turned the feelings off. It's kind of like the computer's overheating, the server's getting out of control, everything's about to melt. So if I don't cool this shit off right the fuck now, I'm going to fucking combust. So that's the visual I had because I don't know, it's kind of weird, but it reminded me of what she would say to those people who were dying, in particular, Frank. It was Frank, right? Where she was like, you just get really little. You just just disappear. Oh, yeah. Right. So that's what I feel like. It's like that. Like what she was saying to Frank where she was like, when people don't die, I don't think they leave their body. I just think your soul just gets so fucking tiny. It can't leave your body. I feel like Villanelle had a type of experience like that with every rejection and shark that Eve did, that she was she was falling deeper and deeper into the darkness until she was not able to pull herself out or she did with a gun. And she was like, well, this is done for now. And then probably mm. went to the bar and was like, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would work because that worked the other time, but that totally didn't work. Out of sight, out of mind. No, that doesn't work. Okay, wow. Ooh, I need to update my fucking books. Oh, also quick shout out to, to Blean Tastic, who sent us the lovely quote. I guess you've listened to the snack episode. You heard that we were ridiculous. We sang a little Alanis Morissette and she sent us the tweet. And I quote, would Nico go down on you in a theater? Right. <laughs> it's not fair <laughs> to deny me of the O's I bear that you gave to me. Matter of fact, you, can, you, can you sing that line for me? What is that? Oh, my God. <laughs> What Nico go down on you in a theater? I mean, but that's true. I mean, uh, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> no, he He's wouldn't. He's a fucking square. It's not fair to deny me of the L's I bear <laughs> that you gave to me. Yeah, yo, yeah, yo, yeah. I don't know. Bitch. Yes. First of all, I would like to give you the Grammy for that performance. Yes. That was excellent. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Um, it came from a real place. The Raymond fight is probably like Villanelle. He had the axe for her after he kills her, not used, not to use to kill. That's why he said killing with the axe takes a lot of chops. Also, I think the reason Raymond doesn't get paid is because he's a number of the 12. Oh, okay. This was an additional follow-up teaching hand to there. Uh, okay. And I, we definitely agree that Raymond is probably one of the 12. So basically, it seems like what you're alleging, Bleantastic, is that Villanelle was completely right about Raymond being a drama queen with the axe if he was never intending to use it because, as you say, it takes several hacks. Although I feel like if you hack the neck directly, like you just hack the neck, you probably take care of the major issue of killing someone and then maybe you deal with the chunks later if you're trying to get them into small pieces. But I think, I think, I think hacking the neck is probably something that works. But I think we could actually take this as canon proof that the 12 enjoys dramatic killers because they have a Villanelle and they have a Raymond. Well, that's the that on that. They love the melodrama. Were they trying to make Raymond this? I mean, there's a void. I don't know if we're going to even get to explore that void because we haven't even explored the 12. So I'm not even going to just throw We've suppositions not. there. We've not. You know, what I would like to see in season three, if there's any sort of exposition, is the idea that we were talking about the other day that the majority of people who fall on this spectrum of sociopathy and psychopathy are just in life. They're like Carolyn and Raymond. They are literally in life doing stuff, having jobs, masquerading as quote-unquote normals, but they're really capable of really dark and deep and depraved, highly manipulative, highly deceptive activities. 
And like we were saying before, that, that that's actually the scarier version, the person that's kind of like the Lisa from Girl Interrupted that seeks to eviscerate you, mm-hmm. mind, body, and soul from the inside, when really it's like, just break my leg, girl. Just like, <laughs> just throw me off a cliff. You don't have to take my whole fucking sense of self and self-esteem and self-worth. But yeah, I think that's that's the whole Carolyn versus Villanelle, really, is that Carolyn is the scarier one. And that seems to be what Eve is trending towards a little bit, but we'll see what she chooses. I still want my murder bitches running away together. We're just gonna say that. One it's, day. It is what it is. One see, day. Why you, no, you know no, what? No. Keep your optimism. You still think you still say they're gonna schmang. And I'm trying to hold yeah, on to that optimism. Three. It's gotta be. I want I don't even mm. It's gotta be. If it does happen, we'll probably open the podcast then, with a solid <laughs> scream. Like and, that meme for and about then 10 minutes. After that schmang, the next conversation that Carolyn has for Vil, uh for Eve, Eve's gonna have that energy. She's not gonna be left on red anymore. She's gonna be a brand new woman. Actually, you're so fucking right because that's that's totally part of the story of the matriculating baby gay. Is that like you're so apprehensive? You're like, I'm so apprehensive. I just don't know. Can I go here? Can I give myself this? Oh, I don't know. What will the people say? What will the people do? And then you get that fucking O, and it's usually accompanied by at least a dozen more O's that day. And then you lose your shit. Yep. Then you're not emerging from your fucking room or your house or your apartment for a goddamn week. Then people are checking in to be like, are you okay? Did you die? Did you eat? Do you see this? <laughs> be gay, do crime. It's going to be a screensaver. I can I put that on a shirt? Is that, is that Villanelle's life motto? Be gay, do crime? That's me when I feel like the patriarchy pushes me too far. I'm like, I feel like I just want to go off and be a vigilante for women. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> But I feel like that was all the little stuff you want to wrap up. I did want to mention, like we were talking about before, um, in terms of pain and pleasure being two sides of the same coin. Um, basically, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it, but, you know, there's some medical stuff that has come out Um a great deal of time ago. But if you specifically want to read something about it, I can link an article that was written in the Harvard Gazette about, I don't know, 15 years ago, 16 years ago now. It had to do with pleasure receptors, pain receptors, where these messages are sent from in the brain, basically coming from the same part of the brain and helping to explain certain diagnoses, pathologies, issues, fetishes, arousals, attractions, literally all those things that people might have. And I remember I was having a conversation with a friend who was you know, trying to explain a foot fetish to me and why you often have this polarizing thing of like people hate it they're fucking disgusted by it or people super aroused and it's because the part of the brain that is interpreting these things to say here's pleasure here's pain or here's disgust it's all in the same central area and so in thinking about that I'm just wondering, like we were saying in the last snack episode about how that could translate the experience of feeling actual visceral pain like Villanelle experienced with the stab to the added dose of her actual emotional pain and emotional awareness that she that she was discovering, that it's kind of all conflated. She theoretically could be very confused in a real way because how would she know the difference, especially if she hadn't really experienced it much? I don't know what your, what your thoughts are on that. I mean, feeling is always better than not feeling. So <laughs> uh, as someone who feeling. doesn't feel much, she only feels things according to her when she's with Eve. Even if it's pain, it's still something. So she may not know how to react to what the impulse is, but she knows, again, that's one of three things. I need to eat. I need to kill. Or I need to, you know, have the sex. So... If she's choosing to lean towards the sex when it comes to Eve, that's a good thing. Wait a minute. What? How is she not? How is she not? How, how is she not? <laughs> see, I'm all fucked up and stuttering. How is she not choosing to lean towards the sex? No, no. I said that it's a good thing that that is the choice, that she oh, is choosing that okay. because that's the source of I was getting her concerned. realizing what she is feeling. 
that it's something versus all of the void. It's like living in a black and white world and then seeing color magically when you're got someone in your radius. Right, exactly. It's like, how can you, you know, and there's so many reasons because the mind is such a complex fucking thing. And even though we have all this stuff and inventions in science, we still really don't know jack shit about the brain. Like most things, like when I go to the vet and I'm like, what's going on with my cat? And they're like, you know, we don't really know that much about cats. And I'm like, what do you mean you're a vet? (laughs) I feel this way about neuroscience to some degree where it's like, we know a lot, but we actually don't know shit. I mean, you look at some of, I mean, it's a very rare thing that people explore in films, but there are a few films that try to get into the super complicated space of people who enjoy pleasure or domination or degradation and where potentially does that come from? And can a person still have a fulfilling and meaningful bond with someone with these things? Short answer, yes. Yes. Um, like I was showing you, well, I mentioned Crash, which is, well, it's a, <laughs> it's a super, for, for you guys who haven't seen Crash, you can check it out if you want to see some wild shit. James Spader is in there with Rosanna Arquette. And the basic premise is a group of people who basically are aroused via car crashes, car violence. That situation happened with each of the characters that are in there, ended up in a car accident, and by virtue of having this happen to them, realized, oh my God, this somehow right now is the most visceral thing I've ever experienced. I need to recreate it. I need to try and experience it again or get back to this rush. And in many ways, we can try to compare that to a stab and potentially a future shot with Villanelle and Eve because we're living in the same zone of the brain that it would make sense scientifically and otherwise that these things could get mushed up a little bit. Right. Right. Is it pain? Is it pleasure? We just know it's something and it's leading to O's. So, and actually I have a new wish now that we wrapped up and I was thinking about it. And I, maybe I already said this wish because it should be, expected but eve on her knees for villanelle i just look we have already so gone into after the <laughs> evisceration that you want eve to experience from a damaged and wounded nico you want eve on her knees first of all you make me sound villanelle. like a villain you make me sound like a villain no, but no, no. the answer is I mean... yes the answer is yes so let me explain myself really quick so okay so the thing is is that like we said that whole situation with eve getting on her knees and the look she had on her face of like obvious immediate arousal because she was like, control me, dominate me, choke me, do these things, which is why Villanelle was in the rain. Like, wow, I'm really missing out right now. That that's a hot situation that I'm okay with Eve needing to express these other things of herself. But I feel like if she wants a little knife play, Nico doesn't have that smoke for her, but Villanelle has that smoke oh, for her, a little poke, does. a little stab. And so I think it's, I, I thought that was hot. I think there's stuff to explore there. And it's very rarely explored within the dynamic of two women. You constantly see, ideas of SM or BDSM or DOM sub relationships with a man and a woman. It happens all the time. Secretary is a very popular version, but what's another version that's not secretary. That's all sapphic. Perhaps you guys are familiar. If not, maybe you want to check it out. It's a wild ride and it's called the Duke Burgundy. I showed you that trailer. Oh, that trailer looked amazing. Right. And you know, spoiler, the person you would expect to be controlling the situation is actually, I have to spoil I'm sorry, I have to spoil it because it, it relates to Villanelle and Eve because Villanelle is such a tough bitch. Everyone's like top energy, big dick energy. That's what's happening. But what better trope? What better character trope is there? Is the hard badass who you're like, you, no one can get to me. I'm completely inaccessible, but actually they're a big old soft marshmallow on the inside. But and then they, it's the can't, they don't have the space to explore that side right, of Right, so I'm saying in this movie, they, yeah. the girl who's the sub is actually the one in control and it's the one who's the dom 
In the dom position, who's like, I don't know, I feel uncomfortable. I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because I see you want this from me, not because I'm incredibly comfortable with what you're asking of me. And it's just, it's it's interesting dynamic. So I'm just saying that as we already know, we, I, you, me both, would like Eve to go down, down, not just downtown for Villanelle, but down in the moral scale. And then once she's there, once she's accepted the stuff, let's do it, Sally. Sally, we're back to being best friends, Sally. Sally, if you listen to this, please just think about it. Just ruminate on it. Just consider it. If we could just have Eve go down in all the ways, including to her knees for Villanelle. If they want to stab each other after that, that's okay. If they want to shoot each other in the midst of the shmang, that's okay too. I'm just saying, if I could please get a shot of Sandra O oh, dropping to her fucking knees for Villanelle. That's uh, that's where I am. And you know, it doesn't have to be at Hot Medica, but, <laughs> but if it is, it should be there for the costumes. You know, Eve loved them damn costumes. I'd appreciate it. Thanks so much. Oh, I guess another version from the 70s that's similar to it, but not really, is The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant. It's a 70s film. Um, maybe a little bit of My Summer of Love. And I'm only mentioning those films because they have dynamics that would be considered toxic with two women. That at the end, one of them is like, I could totally fucking possibly, maybe, kill you. <laughs> not necessarily Duke Burgundy, but definitely My, My Summer of Love, which has Emily, Emily Blunt. It has Emily, Emily Blunt. Blunt. And it was actually the first movie I saw her in when I was still working in film festivals. But yeah, so those are those films. If you're like, Candace, have you seen every queer film in existence? I literally told you last episode. <laughs> I have. Literally all of them. Every last one. And so, yeah. Or Betty Diane from Mulholland Drive, another fucked up pairing of women that was also enjoyable. But yeah, that's a, that's it. That's it, guys. And if anyone ever, well, that's it for me. I'll let Terrence let you guys know if he's done. But um, never forget that Villanelle never planned to have Eve murder Raymond, that she was waiting in the car. She was waiting in the car okay. to drive off into the literal sunset with a drop top convertible in motherfucking Italia. Does it get more romantic than that? It doesn't. She was probably going to do that thing. You know, the thing people do in the movies where you run your hand in the air all corny and shit as you ride the wave of the wind because you're like, life is so fucking beautiful. That's what we would have had if Eve would have just been off her fucking fuck shit for five fucking seconds. Okay. Phil's got a fast car. <laughs> is it fast enough so oh we can drive God. away? We got to make a decision. <laughs> Leave tonight and live and die this way. I'm just okay. saying. That was, that was good. Uh, well, Thank be sure, that. as you already, already know, to catch us on the Twitter waves, the Tumblr oh, waves, shit. the Insta waves. So Twitter is uh, well, Villanelle. Uh, Instagram as well. Well, Villanelle, yeah, yeah. Um, our personal emails. Hey, you guys at wellwellvillanelle.com. Some of you are already tagging us in articles as you see them, point them out. Yo, Let keep doing know. that. Keep engaging us, bitches. In between episodes and whatever the fuck we'll be doing in the summer, we love to hear from you. And of course, on our Tumblr, because we love what we do there at wellwellvillanelle.tumblr.com. And if it gets bought by Pornhub, expect a very different <laughs> wellwellvillanelle.tumblr.com uh, website, fan site, uh, fanfic site. Those I are mean, facts. Those <laughs> so, facts. you know, the inevitable. So um, while we uh, continue to wait for breaking news on season three until further articles come uh, out we come might out. pop up with a snack uh also we will be uploading some photos to the insta soon with swag there's been delays but you know fucking life but i will say this i will say this we made a towel with villanelle's face because i feel like during this month of pride that's about to start that's something i need you should try this with your wife like we already know that candace's energy going into like if i could have you should try this with your wife socks you could try this with your wife hat you could try this with your wife jacket i would 
I really, really fucking would. But right now I have a, a little towel, a little towelette. <laughs> <laughs> it's a misandry towelette. And I will take a photo for all of you to see. Also, love an animal, love an animal. Trying to get in contact with you to get you your swag. Please hit us up. So until next time, guys, here's hoping you get killed by a woman. And Eve needs to be on her knees for Villanelle, bitch. Come on. We deserve it. We deserve it. Bye, guys. Bye.